It's November the 8th, 2011. This is Five Away to Show about Worcester. Today we're here at City Hall as people are heading out after this Nicole Postlehigh and uh, Tracy Novick and Bill Coleman and Brendan Melligan. We're here at City Hall as people have just finished counting the ballots in Worcester's municipal election. There was some voting going on today. There was some voting going on today. Um, also this week, there was a lot of Occupy Worcester stuff going on. There was arresting going on and, uh, and balloting going on. And withdrawing money. And what's interesting, there's actually uh, some overlapping where it seemed as though the majority of uh, many of the arresting officers from Saturday night were also in charge of the ballots tonight. Here. Really? So, yeah. Well, there you go. It's a small world. It's a small world. Small it's city. A, it's a small world. Well, let's talk about Occupy Worcester because we were actually president. We both voted. Yeah. We did both vote. And we, both, and we both didn't get arrested, but we saw people get arrested. Correct. So we could tell you about this Occupy Worcester thing. So Occupy Worcester... Remember, remember the fifth of November. We tried something some about the gunpowder plot. Yeah. Uh, Guy Fox Day, fifth of November, was a nationwide bank transfer day. People taking their money out of big banks, putting their money into local credit unions and things like that. This is very much up, up the Occupy Wall Street movement's alley, mm -hmm. and so also up Occupy Worcester's alley. So I, potentially, the biggest thing that happened with Occupy Worcester on Saturday actually was they had a big demonstration from the Bank of America on. Mm -hmm. Park, Park Avenue, Avenue. Yeah. like 60 people. Yeah, it was, was it very was, good turnout? I heard there was a Guy Fox mask. A la I Beaver did not Vendetta. see a Guy Fox mask, but it was a great turnout. Um, and from what I gather, there was a relatively significant number of people who were closing accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, Bank of America clearly took notice. They had uh, one um, police officer from the Worcester Police Department working on a detail there, mm -hmm. uh, but they also had a number of uh, private armed private security that were there. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's who greeted you at the door if you were coming in as a customer that really? day. So, uh, just to remind you of why you're taking your money out of Bank of America. Uh, or maybe just to scare you into potentially leaving it there. <laughs> who knows? But. So there you go. So this was a productive productive use of Occupy's uh, time, I probably. think it's important for anyone who says that these folks aren't actually making any sort of impact or, or doing anything meaningful. I think when a private organization like a bank uh, feels it's necessary to hire armed security to keep people from closing their bank accounts, I find it hard to argue that that's nothing. There you go. So the other thing that happened on the fifth then was there was a after there was a people marched from Bank of America to City Hall. They had their traditional general assembly behind the city. I'm so tired. It's behind City Hall. They, and they decided we're going to try. How many times to, did you vote today? I only voted once today. Okay. All right. They decided. How many times did I sleep today? None. <laughs> this week, not too many. That, they had their General Assembly and they decided, you know what, we're going to move our encampment now to the Common. This is originally where they wanted to have the encampment, behind City Hall. They ended up, the first night that they were going to do it, the police talked them out of it and said, we're going to arrest you here, but you could go to the state park at the edge of the city. They said, sure, probably a big strategic mistake, but after three weeks at this park, they were organized, they were ready, and they said, we're moving our encampment. Just Hi, Brad. They, <laughs> they moved their encampment. They said, we're going to move our encampment to City Hall. We're going to move our encampment to the Common. And so they did this, and Saturday evening, uh, they started setting up tents behind the City Hall. They set up like eight tents, and then at 10 o'clock, which is the time that you're supposed to be out of the Common, the police started warning them. I thought this was actually interesting because oftentimes you would think, well, they'll just wait until 4 in the morning to evict them hoping that many of the onlookers will get cold and leave, hoping that many of the occupiers will get cold and leave. But they didn't try to do anything like that. They were like really like down the line, it's 10 o'clock, get out of here. They gave them some warnings and then they, they arrested them. Um, and in fact, apparently one of the people arrested, how many were there? There would have been 19 people arrested around City Hall. One of them was like somebody from the neighborhood who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's what it appears. It appears. Just kind of got involved. But you know, yes. last minute protesters. Yes. yes. 
And one of them was a legal observer from Occupy Worcester. This is one of these guys like wears a green cap, not trying to get in trouble, just there to like take notes in case there's an incident. Did you he read was, the story on this? He was writing down the numbers of police cars is all I know. I have not talked to him about what exactly happened. So then the people who were left, and there were like a lot of people watching these arrests. Um, because there's like people coming out of bars and just coming out of the woodwork from downtown to like watch this. But then people went away and there were about 60 people there supporting the people who had been arrested. They did a march down to uh, uh, the police station, which isn't far from the common. And people started off by marching in the street. And there are unpermitted marches in the street in Worcester of certainly a mile on a regular basis and it's never really a problem. Occasionally a police car will go to escort people. Generally not a problem. We had a march of a couple hundred people against the Iraq war uh, years ago. Not a problem. In this case, it is a problem. Despite the fact that they have even, even more cop cars than normal, they start telling people, get out of the street, get out of the street. People are like, we're going to stay in the street. And then they start saying, we're going to rescue. So people get up onto the sidewalk. Um, apparently one guy, I don't really know what was going on, I didn't see him, got arrested as part of this. And then two people near the front of the march ran into the street, hoping that this would like encourage all the people on the sidewalk to get into the street. People on the sidewalk had actually... I don't think reacted to this at all. Those two guys realized this is a terrible idea. They both ran back into the crowd when they saw the police coming for them. The police were able to get one of the guys. Um, his friend then, not the guy who ran into the street, another friend of this guy ran into the street to like basically remonstrate with the police and she was arrested too. So that was three people arrested on their way to the police station. Uh, and then today, uh, well, I guess about half of the people had hearings uh, in court and um, a lot of the charges were reduced to very small charges and basically people were plea bargaining um, down to like $100 fines and you know wh whatever, maybe possibly something that will not even follow you as a criminal record. Um, and there you go. So Occupy Worcester is doing stuff going forward. They're doing a lot of uh, anti-foreclosure work, going to these anti-foreclosure things where someone's house is going to be foreclosed on and they, they, they try to be a presence there during the auction to try to um, make it very clear that what's going on is not okay. They're having a Marriott Corporation Day actually Thursday uh, in front of City Hall where for four hours apparently they have a ton of people lined up who will all be wearing their Sunday best and uh, marrying corporations because corporations are people too. And then on this coming Sunday, there is a like New England-wide Solidarity Occupy March, which is going to be in Worcester, Sunday at 11 a.m. Go online, you can find out where it's leaving from. Don't know where it's going at this point, but I would not be surprised uh, if people wanted to camp somewhere else. This would be the time to like bring a ton of people out to camp somewhere else. Um, uh, the police press release for this Occupy Worcester thing actually was really disappointing to me because it had a number of errors. It made me realize that people who read the police press releases, they do a good job, but they're probably just going off of other people's notes, which they sort of half understand. People's names were spelled wrong. They had this whole long account I gave you of where people were arrested was sort of mixed up in the in the uh, police press releases. Um, there was a little. There was also an interesting little like op-ed part of the police press release, which was complaining about how many thousands of dollars it must have cost for the police to come out and arrest these guys, and how probably this would be less funding for programs that we actually would like. And um, Florio by five says the city clerk. This is this is it. You're watching this four days after we tape it, but you can have the feeling that this is cutting edge. Actually, breaking news. Anyway, I just want to bring up this thing where the the, the the police press release was opining that this was a waste of the city's money and perhaps a bad situation because of that. I think it's inappropriate, honestly, for whoever writes this press release to chide the city manager and the chief of police like that, even in a, in a guarded way. I think it's inappropriate. It's not their job to question their boss. <laughs>
agree. Yeah, no, I think the, um, yeah, it's absurd to make the argument that this is somehow uh, a, a good use of resources if there are more pressing matters at hand. And that's not yeah. to say that, you know, when it comes to mass arrests that the police department didn't do a great job. They did an excellent job of arresting people who really wanted to get arrested. Yes. But if there's an argument to be made that somewhere on the other side of the city, somebody was actively getting stabbed in the liver, uh, that should have taken precedent over 22 people who actually wanted to get arrested. Like, yes. Those 22 people could have actually just walked themselves to the police station and checked themselves in and yeah. it wouldn't have taken any resources at all. I, you know, I'm generally sympathetic to the to, to the idea of reducing waste, but it was just funny that like they're digging up the common again, yes. putting some crap in there. The last time they spent whatever it was, a hundred thousand dollars. Those tents might have actually spruced it up. They might have spruced it. Up. They put in like a hundred thousand dollar on just non-functioning skating rink a few years ago, mm -hmm. and now people are going to complain about a couple thousand dollars here. Really, come on, like this is not where the money's being wasted. This actually reminds me whenever there was the big vote on whether or not the city should condemn Arizona's state immigration law. And there was a guy who was a Worcester resident who said he'd never been to any city council thing, but he was coming out there because he felt like this was not the business of the city council, and it was a waste of taxpayer money and a waste of their time. And my response to him was like, you should watch any city council meeting and ask you what minuscule percentage of that is not a waste of people's time. It's all about wasting time. Anyway, but anyway, I, just, I do think it's inappropriate that they should get on the police. Please, this is the boss. Anyway, what was your, what was your, uh, what's your, what's your, uh, uh, take on this Occupy arrest. Anything else? No, not really. I mean, again, it's, you know, it, it, when you read that press release or you read, read the news clippings, it's easy to get the impression that this was, uh, you know, two ships, you know, passing in the night sort of thing. But, I mean, it was a very well-orchestrated set of events, right? You had somebody from Occupy Worcester go to the police department and say, hey, this is what we're doing with the full intention of getting arrested later on tonight. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Yes. And the police department then obliging. Uh, I think there's probably... I'm sure a good civil rights attorney could make a really good argument that if, if, it, if there were to be, like, say, a jury trial involved, that what the police department is doing by saying it's a misappropriation of um, resources is actually kind of just acknowledging that you have chosen to um, make a political statement by arresting people uh, for speech and assembly issues. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just, the language. The only thing that's weird about the whole incident is the language that the city is attempting to use to justify the arrests. I think what's also weird is that Occupy Worcester did something so organized, it's very so well organized. Very well organized. Yeah, I mean, they, they they may have actually impacted some cash being moved around in banks, and they managed to uh, have a, a well orchestrated arrest. So there you go. If you're curious about what Occupy Worcester is doing, like I said, there's a ton of events coming up. Just go to OccupyWorcester.com and try to figure out what's going on. We have this election that was happening today. Um, watching already knows about it. Everybody watching it already knows about it. Well, so let's comment on. There's people who only get their news from this show. This is true. There are people who only get their news from the show. Or they they're like, you know what? I ignore the newspaper. Breaking news. This is you. You so you already know this that um, there was no change in the at-large city councils. We have the same at-large city councils that we had before the election. Joe Petty. Oh, there'll be change. What? There'll be change. There'll be change because eventually they're going to get tired of it. <laughs> I can't believe they don't get tired of it after one meeting, but they somehow they come back. They're Iron Men and Five women. Five Hour Energy. Iron Men and Women. Sponsor uh, the Five Hour Energy. Joe Petty is the quiet man, is the new mayor. You know, I had, I had a woman, as I was walking to my polling place today, I think this is probably totally inappropriate, but as I was walking into the polling place, one of the voters who was walking out through the door, she passed me, said to me, don't forget Joe Petty. And I don't know if this I'll is... never forget Joe Petty. That doesn't necessarily he doesn't make it. For him, he doesn't I... make it easy, friend. <laughs> it's very hard to forget Joe Petty. No, it's very hard to... He is the quiet man. And he's true. the average Joe. So now we have an average Joe mayor. So I, we'll see if anything comes from this. Probably not. How long before a lawsuit from the restaurant? 
What restaurant? Not your average Joe's. You think they're gonna they're gonna go after him? Trade, some kind of trademark thing? That's it's too big now. That was easy when you're just an at-large counselor. You're mayor of the second largest city in New wow. England. Even if it's the second largest city in New England by some misappropriation of geography, it's still an important thing. Yeah, I would I would expect a lawsuit. He's got a good legal team though now as the mayor. So you know, we'll point. see. We'll see. Uh, in the other in the district races, District One, which was two challengers running, Tony Tony Economou squeaked it out over Virginia Ryan. Um, it's actual squeaking. So. Actual squeaking. You know, it's funny, uh, because of this Occupy Worcester stuff, I've been talking to anti-foreclosure people more often than in the past, and mm -hmm. people have been really mad about Tony Economo as a realtor, his, his role in kind of sketchy foreclosure-related things. It would be interesting to see, like, if they end, they, haven't, they didn't vilify him too much, I but don't think. But that's all the, the, the District 1 is the, is the one, is Worcester's 1%, so they actually encourage sketchy foreclosure activity. Well, they don't, so that's the interesting thing, though, is that they don't really, because it's just a squeak, it's just basically a tie. It's just basically a tie. This isn't, like, a great validation of Tony Economo. Uh, District 2, Councillor Palpatine, running unopposed, continues to his reign. Uh, in District 3... Is it a reign of terror or just a general reign? His, his whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, in District 3, George Russell beat Arthur Ellis. Again, this is a, you know, this is, this is a race I don't know anything about. Do you know, you know how you call this race? How? What do we know about George Russell? He's a realtor. People sure. have been seeing his lawn signs for the last 10 years without even realizing it. It had nothing to do with this election cycle. He's been running for, for, for this seat for, for ten, at least 10 years. You know, now that, now that we have the results and we know who won, we, we can, can tell... We can make all this up. Yeah. Well, we can tell anecdotes that will prove our point. So here's my, here's my George Russell anecdote. Today I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in District 3, and he, he mentioned he had voted. And I said, oh, District 3, I, you have a challenger there. I, you know, this, this city council race between two challengers because the, uh, the, um, the incumbent decided not to run for re-election. I have no idea what's going on in that race. Who did you vote for? He said, George Russell. I said, and why is that? And he said, I haven't, well, he said, I haven't actually been following the race either. I have no idea who he is. He said, but this morning, someone, an actual human being, not a robocall, from George Russell called me up and encouraged me to vote. So when I was in the polling place voting for people I actually cared about, I came to them and I said, why not? Why not? There you go. That's better than my story. <laughs> what else? District 4, ding dong, as they say, Barbara Haller is no longer the city councilor. Uh, this is like a Moby Dick situation, I'm telling you. Maybe that's the, the better story to frame it as. Sarai Rivera like, comes in and does a fantastic job beating uh, the longtime incumbent and in hard campaign. That the, the, it was almost, almost 20 points, if not a larger uh, 20 point spread between the yeah, two. Yeah, that yeah. is really, really impressive for a, not just an incumbent, but a well liked incumbent who has a pretty solid base. Because, yeah. But the base isn't just solid because, you know, well liked, it's because the, the district has such poor voter turnout. And from what everybody has been saying around here tonight is that there was a huge uh, turnout in District 4 relative to uh, past uh, elections. Yeah, they did a fantastic, ran a fantastic campaign. I mean, I say Moby Dick because, like, people have been gunning for Barbara Haller so hard for so many years. Like, I'm sure Kevin Kassan wakes up in a cold sweat sometimes thinking about Barbara Haller. And it's like Moby Dick if Ahab finally... Does he take a shower finally. after he wakes up in that cold sweat? Or does I don't he just know. go right back to bed? Kevin Kassan, longtime 508 panelist, might be on the show to talk about that. Uh, in a couple... Yeah, of, not not today. He's not down here today. He's having his party wherever today. Anyway, that's amazing to me. Like, all the, all the people working on the Rivera campaign who talked to me were all like, oh, we're doing great, we're doing great. And I was just always like... I don't see it happening. What does this say about um, the future of some neighborhood activists who we're only going to speak about kind of on the show from here on out? I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it shows that they can actually uh, get something extremely concrete and unquestionably done. I, I meant uh, Billy. Billy Bro. Oh, Billy Bro. Who knows what it means? Yeah, what's Billy the future Bro. hold for him? Possibly a beard as well. 
a beard. Possibly more facial hair. I don't know what it means for Billy Rowe. I mean, Billy Rowe was extremely uh, aligned to Barbara Haller, especially on many of his things that I disagree with him about most. I would assume that Billy Rowe, being a very effective neighborhood activist, will find a way to work with Soraya. Do we have any other districts in the city of Worcester? Well, I gotta say, I gotta tell you an anecdote about the Barbara Haller race. Okay. Again, this is just cherry picking the anecdotes based on who actually won. So, um, a friend of mine who was door ringing for Rivera mm -hmm. rings a door of one person down the street, old biker type. Described as an old biker type, somebody who's been probably for Barbara Haller in the past, certainly. Get this, gets the sales pitch about Soraya Rivera, and just, just kind of like, whatever, blah, 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 you're telling me something about politics, blah, blah, blah. And finally at the end says, Yeah, I'm going to vote for Rivera. Barbara Haller treats people like objects. And that's the weird thing about this District 4 race is that, like, people who don't like Barbara Haller hate Barbara Haller so much. And when you ask them why, they're just like, It's just such a personality-driven thing. She's actually grown on me over the years. I used to be like that, but I, now I'm mostly indifferent. I don't. I don't know. I had really given away. I had really emotionally distanced myself from District Four, especially since moving out of the district. And physically distance yourself. Distance. When that I physically distance well. myself, I emotionally distance myself, and I basically resigned myself that Barbara Haller would be there, person forever. I don't know. This is exciting. But so that's a great uh, segue into uh, the next district numerically. We're going to have Bill Eddy to kick around for two more years. Bill Eddy beat James Kalagaropoulos by 17%. It's a big win. We win either way, Brendan. Just like his sign. Does it want you to vote for him or not vote for him? Nobody knows. It doesn't matter. Is it more fun to have him in the council or not in the council? Nobody knows. It's, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Congratulations, Councillor Eddie. Well deserved. Congratulations. <laughs> school committee, Brendan Mellican. School committee. I don't. Uh, you want to talk about? I'm the still. School? I'm confused by school committee. Um, right now, it would seem as though nothing changes on the school committee, with the exception of either merit. And again, depending on which. No, it seems to depend. Hold on, because this is. Every time the city clerk has walked by, he's told me that either Mary Mullaney won by five votes or that Donna Colorio won by five votes. And I've seen him now six times, and he's given me roughly that same number of different answers. So to be honest with you, I'm going to find out what the makeup of the school committee is right as everybody watching the show is watching the show. So we know that if, so I mean, this is kind of like fun alternate history though, right? Because like we see who wins by 100 votes and we're like, well, of course they're never going to yeah, win. Well, five votes. But this is like five yeah. votes. But we can say, so, so if Mary Mullaney wins, nothing, like, changes. nothing changes. Everybody's still on the school committee, except that there's probably going to be a recount. Because Donna Colorio, Tea Party person, right. these guys are super focused on voting irregularities. And right. a, five vote, a five vote win is enough that Maybe people, they are. people are going to work on it. Bill Coleman. Hey, how are you? Thanks for being on the show again. I'm sorry you didn't win. That's okay. I voted for you. What did you I think of? How, how did you feel about the results today? Uh, low voter turnout. Low voter turnout. Same old same. Same Anything old same. over 32% brings out new people. The question we have to ask ourselves is, okay, everybody who turned out to vote supported what was there. Yes. Existence. They said, hey, I'm happy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What do we do to put a fire into the new people? My suggestion is this. We go back to 1991, okay. where we had an election ballot that asked people to support term limits. Mm. It passed three to one. Okay. It was a mandate of the people to have the city council file a home rule petition, implement some form of term limits. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. Otherwise, we can go like Cambridge says. They go to something called proportional representation. Worcester used to do it before, but it was a paper ballot system. Okay. And now Cambridge does it electronically, and you actually rate 
the people that you are voting for. Yes. You know, your first choice, second choice, third choice. Gives a better chance for people to have some change. But term limits would work if we had, you know, you serve two terms, take off a term, then you come back. Is that a charter change thing to have term limits? That's a charter change. All right. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Bill. Now that we have had this non-binding ballot question, I honestly didn't even check the results. Last time it I looked, it was kind of close. It, it, it lost. It lost. But it lost. The, very, the very fact that it was there, and it was there at the request of the council, right. uh, does that mean that we should all be showing up next Tuesday to demand that on uh, next year's uh, or the next uh, local uh, election cycle that we have a referendum question on strong mayor or any other form of, of charter change or no. charter review? Uh, well, I think what has to happen now is if we want charter change, then we're going to have to go out and collect the 15,000. Well, that's always been the case. And here, here it seems as though the council is willing to take up a, a charter change issue when it's there when it serves their purpose. And I'm just and wondering, if, does that? But does that mean that we should be seeing some sort of action, or at least demanding some sort of action on their part? Uh, well, we can't because it was a non-binding effort. They were just taking a survey question. Mm -hmm. The reality is, if we can get eight people to organize eight sections of the city, yeah, to organize eight sections of the city, and collect 8,000 signatures from each, well, no, not even 8,000, 2,000 signatures from eight, from eight sections of the city. We're a city of seven hills, mm -hmm. but we can create that eight section. We can get a binding question on the ballot that would create a charter commission. And then if we get the right people on that charter commission, we could have whatever we want. And you, then, you know who's talking about charter change today, funnily enough? Occupy Worcester. Yeah. That was a big part of their meeting today was charter change. Charter, we got to do something to uh, stimulate people to get involved. Most people bowed out and said it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not, you know, not an uphill battle if there's an uphill battle. Well, when you work with me, now this council is going to come back with a, peer, a serious pair of bullions. Okay. You know, which basically says whatever you want, whatever you think you can negotiate, you can't. Mm. They're in for two years. Right, you right. threaten their existence. Mm. So there's going to be retaliation coming back from the existing council. Mm. So uh, lowest voter tax rate, maybe not. Maybe we will, you know, transition before two years within a single tax rate to attract more business because they have no retaliation. Mm -hmm. And God help it when the classification and reevaluation comes through because they set the they set the tax rate after they've been reelected. Mm -hmm. Not a not a happy place to be. But uh, anyway, uh, those who came out to vote spoke. Government is uh, government is run by those who show up. Yeah. So uh, uh, we used to have 75 polling places in Worcester, 75,000 people used to vote. That was in 1991 and 1996. And we cut down to, uh, we're at 50 now, mm. you know. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Me, I'm eternally optimistic. Um, I will always encourage people to get involved in their government. But all government is local, and uh, we're, we're missing out on opportunities like you read about. Did you catch your overall number tonight of voters? Like, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't get the number. I think the number was. I don't think it was ten percent. No, I'm mm -hmm. not sure though. All right. Uh, well, thanks. But for hey, hey, listen. Thanks, you guys. Always a pleasure. Listen, I got more always. hits from Hawaii. My kids live out in Hawaii, <laughs> and they were saying, "Hey, you know, Dad, I was watching, and I was telling my friends to watch this. Everybody was, and, and this this little machine here is incredible. I'm gonna give you one of those. <laughs> you can do it. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. So well, we were just talking about what's going on with the school committee thing. So obviously, if Donna, if Donna Clorio wins by five, this means the first Tea well, Party person. Two reasons. But I mean, Mary Mullaney has always been a high vote getter, and yeah, she's she, barely hanging. Even if she won, and she won by five votes, again, I still flip a coin at this point. Mm -hmm. um, that's outstanding. That something resonated with the city that pushed her down that low. I mean, you can take a stab at what that is, but I mean, we've had some pretty recent 
um, kind of contentious issues like uh, re renewing the superintendent's uh, contract a week before uh, right. an election. Who knows if that didn't actually work so well for Mary, who was arguably the, large, the strongest devotee of uh, the superintendent when it came to renewing that contract. You know, so Tracy Novick, our friend and frequent panelist on this show, uh, when she was elected to the school committee two years ago, mm -hmm. she, was, she squeaked it in. She squeaked it in and as the sixth highest vote getter. This yep. time she's the fifth highest vote getter, yep. which is kind of interesting to me because she's done something that very few other politicians in the city have done, which is pick a set of issues that are mm -hmm. controversial issues that her colleagues do not, some of them agree with her about and some of them don't. And she's been the point person for controversial issues. Right. We also not also issue controversial among the electorate. And she's taken a lot of hits for this as well as being the, the subject of a relentless smear campaign from the in-city times, criticizing everything from the way she dresses to Which is who knows what. Which is interesting where, you know, I mean, I don't know how, uh, how deep into folks get for, uh, for when it comes to election results, but uh, watching those results come in, uh, there was a marked difference in, in, in um, just like like the different precincts when say district went four different way. Uh, was reporting. Yeah, Tracy, you could argue, was one of the lowest vote getters uh, yeah. for the school committee. When Westside Burncote area started uh, reporting, yeah. that changed drastically. Yeah, and that's partly to be expected. I mean, we're, we still are a very divided city, uh, right. in, from district to district. But that's something that I think is important that every candidate, uh, not just every candidate, keep their eye on, but the voters keep their eye on too. I mean, you know. It, it's easy to scoff at District 4, right? But we just saw what, ha tonight, just saw what happens when District 4 gets his act together mm. and starts registering new people and they actually come out to vote. You have someone like Barbara Haller is now unemployed. I think if you can beat Barbara Haller, you can beat anybody. This is my, this is my message to the, count, to the challengers out there. Yeah, and hopefully people down in District 4 notice what just happened and uh, start showing out in larger numbers. There you go. Um, I guess I wanted to say something about why you should vote. Here's my theory about why you should vote. Now that I'm, I'm a changed man now about voting. Mm -hmm. When you're voting, especially for these Worcester things, like you get to vote, for example, for six different people at most for city council mm -hmm. at large. You can leave some blank spots on there. Yes. And my, my theory is that the political people in the city look at those blank spots. You have still a few more minutes. Mm -hmm. They look at those blank spots, and if there's a lot, ton of blank spots, like if, you know, if 80% if of the people voting for city council at large are leaving some blank spots on there, it makes people's imaginations say, what could we, who, other people can look at that and say, there is gold, a mine of gold there. Mm -hmm. Like, say, you can always say, oh, if all the Clark students voted for my candidate, my candidate would win. It's impossible to get the Clark students to vote for you. This is someone who's actually in the polling booth with a pen in their hand, touching the paper. All you need them to do is touch the paper one time. And that's a huge untapped thing there. Do you think this is true? Do you think that, that going in and voting and leaving blank space, like if, if you only like one person, vote for one person, leave uh, the rest I, of it blank, at least you're sending a message to the political people I of the city. I will which happily is, admit to uh, not taking advantage of every vote that was made available to me today. Although the guy who was in front of me in line uh, did the exact opposite and tried to vote for seven people for school committee and that didn't work out so hot for him. So mm. I guess there's uh, different approaches in play. But yes, I mean that's uh, casting no votes is probably one of the more important things that you can do, especially in a city where sometimes it's easy to uh, feel as though not much is happening, not much is changing, and um, there aren't many ways to fix that. So for the people who get all of their news from 508, or at least watch it so that they know they hit the high points of the week, Occupy Worcester got a lot of people to pull their money out of Bank of America. They also got 22 people arrested, 21 of them Occupy Worcester people and one of them a bystander. They're doing a bunch of events, including upcoming marches in Marriott Corporation, uh, sort of, sort of satirical event. Uh, in the election, all of the at-large candidate, candidate councilors, city councilors are the same. There's potentially a new school committee member, although it seems very close, and there may be a recount. 
there are two, there is one incumbent who was beat by account by challengers. There are two districts where the challengers beat the incumbent during the preliminary or the incumbent didn't run. So we're going to have three of three new challengers. We have three new people on the city council. Tony Economou, George Russell, and Soraya Rivera mm -hmm. will be tracking very closely. Potentially one new person on the school committee. That's what happened. End scene. End scene. From Worcester City Hall, I'm Michael Benedetti. This is Nicole Passa sitting quietly. And Brendan Malikin. Brendan, do you, have any, do you have any final words for the people of Worcester? No, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go home now. <laughs> <laughs>